Welcome to Seeking God's Grace podcast, a place to share stories about life, faith and passion. My name is Grace and I am a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, or as some prefer to say, I'm a Catholic nun. I hope that this podcast will help you and me to find God in everyday life experiences and to understand God and yourself a little bit better. Let's talk and seek God together. Welcome back, everyone. Another day, another week, another month, month of September and the beginning of spring. Isn't it good that we can wake up and it's not so dark anymore? Well, I enjoy that. I'm not a morning person, so I'm not sure how do you feel about those changes, but I'm really, really happy to welcome brighter brighter days, more sunshine and a little bit longer days as well. Last week, we talked about the readings which we hear in the church on Sunday and weekday masses. We also touched base on the meaning of the homily. How did you go? Any good ideas? Have you written any homilies ever since? Maybe you discovered some apps or websites, which I didn't mention last time. Please share them with me. One of my favorite, which I didn't mention last time, is the YouTube channel for the Diocese of Lismore. And in that channel, you can listen to the homilies of Bishop Greg Homeming. He is a Carmelite priest who became a bishop, uh, I don't remember how many years ago, but just recently, and is uh, really a pastor of the Diocese of Lismer. Highly recommended. So what are yours, your apps, your channels, and your places where you can find good homilies and a great explanation for the mass uh, readings? That is my question. Today, I don't know how it happened, but today is episode 25 This means that in the past couple of months, we actually spent the time together talking week after week after week. Thank you so much for your presence. I'm really, really grateful that you have chosen to listen to uh, maybe this particular episode or maybe, who knows, maybe you are a winner and you listen to each one of those 25 episodes of my podcast. Today, I would like to continue the topic connected with the Mass or, as we say, with the Eucharist. So what does it mean to receive the Holy Communion? why it matters for us, and why do we really want Jesus? Two short questions before we will go any further. If you think about your participation in the Mass or Eucharist, what are the reasons that you go for a Mass? Some people go because this is what their families have done for many years. And it was, or still is, a strong 
family tradition and belief. I am one of those families uh, where what we call here in Australia, which were the cradle Catholics. So basically there wasn't much of a discussion. And uh, on Sunday morning, we just would go to the church. That would be part of the um, routine. That would be part of a normal proceedings. That was part of the family tradition. It took me some time to, of course, discover what it means for myself. But yes, I was representing this approach. Tradition that was carried from generation to generation. What are other reasons why people participate in the Mass? Well, some other people, it's sad to say, but they actually go for a Mass out of fear. Because when they were growing up, they learned somehow that if they will miss the Mass, they will commit a sin. And this is like something extremely, extremely bad. So this uh, fear of really not being in the bad books of Christ would make them to go to the church. Yes, we have church commandments. And absolutely, yes, God wants us to follow the rules that he created for us and pass through Moses on the uh, Mount of Sinai. But at the same time, sometimes people really apply them very specifically to some acts. And instead of uh, acting out of love, they actually act out of fear and do something or don't. Okay, we are exploring the reasons why people go to the Mass. Number three, there are people who would go for a Mass because they feel that this is the only way of connecting with God. And again, this reason comes from the different upbringing that different people would have. This reason will come from the fact that uh, they might be taught that way, that uh, the Mass is the only way of connecting with God. And that might uh, come from the fact that it is the only way which they were exposed to. Many different reasons. The other reason could be that some people go to the Mass because at times of hardship and troubles, they feel like this is for them the place to strengthen their faith. And they believe that by receiving the Holy Communion, uh, they will be a little bit stronger. They will be a little bit better, that they will get this inner strength that will help them through their hardship. There are many other reasons why people go to the church. What are yours? Have you ever thought about this? Have you spent some time examining your reasons? Are you the one who followed tradition? Are you the one who chose to do it on your own? Are you the one who... Who are you? That is my question. Well, on the other hand, there are also people who do not go for a mass on Sunday or on weekdays or any other occasions. They have made the decision of not attending Mass and they might have their own reasons as well. What are they? Number one, perhaps 
they did not grow in the cattle grow up in the Catholic tradition. That could happen. Maybe they have not been exposed to the tradition or routine or uh, following the motion of the fact that Sunday is connected with mass attendance. Maybe they have not seen any value in that. Or maybe they did grow up in the Catholic tradition, but as they become older, they felt it is an experience which is not relevant to their life anymore. Maybe for them, the reason of not attending the church is that this is an experience which feels meaningless. Perhaps they are people who feel that the institutional church is not credible anymore and their participation in the Mass reminds them about their own hurts or hurts of those who have been hurt and they know or remember. Well, it is possible that they really want to come, but every Sunday there is something which creates an obstacle. And I'm thinking about so many families out there, actually also about people who are unwell. I'm thinking about people who are living on their own. I'm thinking about those uh, students, many people. And they can say, well, Sunday is one and only day when I can sleep in. Sunday is the one and only day when I need to catch up with my house chores. Uh, Sunday is my one and only day and so on and so forth. And they just simply don't go to the church because they cannot see the place for it in their decisions for that particular day. And you know what? There are million other reasons. I wonder if you know yours or the reasons of those you know who stop going to the church, why? Why is it happening? It's, it's a reflection worth stopping and pondering about. Why receiving Jesus matters to all of us? Why is it important? If I will open this very special book called Catechism of the Catholic Church in number 1360, I can read these very words. The Eucharist is a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Father, a blessing by which the Church expresses her gratitude to God for all his benefits, for all that he has accomplished through creation, redemption, and sanctification. Eucharist means, first of all, thanksgiving. Why receiving Jesus matters to us all? Because in participating in the Eucharist, we have an opportunity to say to God, thank you, to participate in his sacrifice, this time, the sacrifice without blood, the first one was with blood on the cross. This time is without blood on the table. Let's talk about tables, actually, before we will unpack this uh, Eucharist and Eucharistic meaning a little bit deeper. I often 
use the image of two tables when talking about the Eucharist. And this is not really credit to me because theology uh, uses it too. So let's start with our home and normal life experiences. Imagine that you are in the big kitchen or a small kitchen too. You sit around the table which serves as a preparation for the meal. You might be sitting on the high chair or if there is not enough space, you might be even standing up. You talk to the people with whom you live. Maybe also visitors who came in for the meal that you invited them for. Uh, you bring to the stories events of the day. Someone says something nice. Someone else says something challenging. Then someone else something inspirational. So words are those which use for the nourishment. Words nourish all of you, create relationship, bond you together. In the mass, this part, this table would be uh, the table of the word. And it actually has a term called liturgy of the word. And this is something what we explored in the previous episode. We talked about readings during the Mass, which are part of the liturgy of the world. And we are back to our imaginary dinner at someone's house. As the meal progresses, you are invited to sit by the table. You move from one table to another table. You move to the table on which the ready food is there for you. The transformation happened from the stove to the table. So you bring the food to the table and you continue the conversation. Sometimes there are also moments of silence during that meal. We eat with gratefulness for food, for nourishment, and for fellowship. And the second table in our human experience and in our church experience is a second part of the liturgy called Liturgy of the Eucharist. Wait a minute. Isn't it the whole thing which is called the Eucharist? Yes, it is. And yes, it is a bit confusing. During the Mass, also called the Eucharist, we have two major liturgies. Liturgy of the Word and Liturgy of the Eucharist. So when we really concentrate on what's happening during the Last Supper and we leave it all over again, we experience the miracle of Jesus' presence. What miracle? That Jesus is present with his body and soul. That he is there in the bread we eat, in the wine we drink. How could that be? Isn't it just reenacting the events from the Last Supper? No, it is not. The only word I can use for all this difficult concept is a mystery. What is happening during the Eucharist 
during the time of consecration, or some people use this horrible, difficult word, transubstantiation. You see, I can't even pronounce this. <laughs> when the substance is transformed, change, transubstantiation. Oh my goodness, I really don't even know if I have said this right. Don't worry about it. Catechism of the Catholic Church says, because it is the memorial of Christ's Passover, the Eucharist is also a sacrifice. The sacrificial character of the Eucharist is manifested in the very words of institutions. This is my body, which will be given for you. This cup, which is poured out for you in the new covenant, is my blood. In the Eucharist, Christ gives us the very body which he gave up for us on the cross, the very blood which he poured out for many for the forgiveness of our sins. I have to take a big breath because I always feel amazed and I always feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the fact how we are short of words to understand what is happening during the Eucharist and how theology offers us big and difficult words to understand. But then again, I go back to the word mystery. And I think that if you think about something mysterious, if you think about something sacred, then you know that you cannot really understand everything what is happening there and why. Well, I also think about why. Because every person that I know and that I met and spoke about their experience of Eucharist have really experienced Holy Communion differently, receiving Jesus differently. I think about many people who experience the presence of Jesus so strong. Some of them, like my friend, would get emotional when receiving Holy Communion. Others would not feel much, but would keep coming to receive Jesus because they feel that this is the source of faith. There is um, a number of stories proving that the little children really experience the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Many years ago, when I was a young sister, uh, we had the speaker who was coming to our novitiate house. His name was uh, um, Father Daniel Ange. He was, um, um, I hope he's still alive, but he was a French Benedictine monk. And he actually had written a book in which he collected uh, statements from the children aged under five who were able to tell him what do they see if they participate in the Mass, in the Eucharist. And what they saw always came to the same thing. They saw these creatures that they describe as white, as bright, as dancing, uh, all around the Eucharistic table, all around the, around the altar, what we call it in the church. 
So those innocent children would see what we can't see, would participate in the miracle which we only believe without seeing. There is also a number of Eucharistic miracles. If you will just Google it, Eucharistic miracles, you will be able to um, come up with the list, really a, a big list of the um, events throughout the history of the church when people ha were having difficulties to understand that in Holy Communion there is a true body and blood of Christ and how they experienced that, yes, this is Jesus. I, I, I really suggest maybe you might like to, to Google that one. So there is so much that we can learn about the Eucharist. Unpacking step by step words and rituals which we use now during the Mass might be very educational and helpful. However, at the same time, they are helpful only if they bring you closer to Jesus himself. They have beautiful meaning and it is always worth to read, learn more from unpacking those different stages. Liturgy of the Word, Liturgy of the Eucharist, what is in the first, what is in the last. But if you don't have time for it, why not just spending time during the Mass praying with your own words? And even if you don't understand everything, if you could focus on Jesus himself, Jesus, please come to my heart. I need you. I need you for me and for others. I need you for people I love and those I don't love yet and I should. One of the most meaningful experiences for me when talking about Eucharist, it's to uh, serve as an extraordinary minister of the Holy Eucharist. What is the extraordinary minister of the Holy Eucharist? It is a person who simply gives communion. Uh, and I have to say that this moment when I am on the roster, maybe once a month or so in my local church, or if I'm taking communion to the sick, these moments of giving others Jesus give me the great joy. I, I always smile when I hold in my hand this holy host, Jesus himself, and I present this to the person with smile, saying, the body of Christ. The normal answer, usual answer is Amen. And this Amen means, I believe, indeed, this is the body of Christ. Well, casually, from time to time, uh, some people will say, thank you. I don't know, maybe they weren't really taught what to say, or maybe it just happened. But I think that even if they will say thank you instead of Amen, that's still okay, because they are grateful for Jesus receive in this Holy Communion. Sometimes when I smile to the people when I'm giving communion, they smile back to me. But sometimes they don't even look at me or at um, the house presented to them, at Jesus presented to them. But in both 
situations, I will always look at their hands, and I think about those hands, and I see the hands of、uh, people who work hard. I see the hands of people who are sometimes unsure. Some people will create a beautiful nest or a throne, we say, for a Holy Eucharist, and it doesn't really matter because those observations, those encounters, just simply show me that Jesus would never judge anyone. That Jesus would always welcome everyone. Jesus was, would welcome those who come every week. Jesus would wel- welcome those who will come once a year. I know. Jesus would not be judging, but welcoming, loving, embracing. And understanding. I would like to finish with、uh, a little reflection, which is not mine. It came from the website called BlessedIsHe.net,、uh, which is created by the Catholic women talking about faith. And one of these women shared the reflection, which I will read to wrap up this topic of this episode twenty-five. It is called "Little White Guest." That's what she said. I remember trying to wrap my small head around the concept of transubstantiation in second grade, attempting to understand what it really means to consume. His true body and true blood in the Eucharist. I am not going to lie; it definitely sounded scary and confusing. The little prayer card I received on my first communion day with the prayer, "Little White Guest," printed on it, truly helped me to visualize this union with Jesus in the Christ in the Eucharist. It allowed me to realize that I was not just eating a small wafer of bread, but I was receiving and welcoming a little white guest into my body and my heart. It was a concept that helped me then, and still helps me now. Learning this prayer has taught me how to talk and listen to Jesus during. Those most intimate moments, when he is not only with me but within me, it has helped me remember to cultivate this habit of immediately entering into conversation with Jesus, upon receiving him every single week. So I pray this prayer from childhood. You have come to my heart, dear Jesus. I am holding you close to my breast. I am telling you over and over. You are welcome, a little white guest. I love you. I love you, my Jesus. Oh, please do not think I am bold. 
Of course, you must know that I love you. But I am sure that you like to be told. I will whisper, I love you, my Jesus. And ask that we never may part. I love you, O kind, loving Jesus, and press you still near my heart. And when I shall meet you in heaven, my soul then will lean on your breast, and you will recall our fond meetings when you were my little white guest. Did this poem, did this story remind you about your experiences of your very first Holy Communion? Did it respond to some memories that you have had in your heart? If yes, please cherish those memories. Maybe this afternoon, open your album and start looking at your pictures from your first Holy Communion when you receive Jesus for the first time. If you receive Jesus as an adult, maybe you can even watch the video from your RCIA um, or any other ways of the special day when Jesus entered your heart. Well, today, next week, or any other time, and you will go to the church. Think about that Jesus, it's actually all you need to be able to go through your life hardships, someone to share your happy moments with, and the one who will forever be welcoming and always loving you. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will tune in again. Please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave your review. Feel welcome to visit my website, seekinggodsgrace.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again. Every blessing to you and your loved ones. Talk again soon.